The In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast has been sponsored by Allergan and AbbVie Company. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, everyone. This is April Jasper. Glad to be back with you again. I am Chief Optometric Editor of Optometric Management Magazine, and we're so glad you're joining us for this episode of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you Dr. Mile Brujic, a friend of mine, author, lecturer, and partner of Premier Vision Group in Northwest Ohio. But really, I'd like him to tell you a little bit about himself. So Dr. Brujic, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Jasper. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Um, Yeah, as you said, I'm a partner of a four-location practice in Northwest Ohio. And really, we we practice to the extent and the scope of our, our practice abilities. We work not only with other optometrists within the community, but also ophthalmology as well, too. And we're always looking for new, creative, innovative, effective ways to care for patients. And presbyopia is one of those topics that are very timely at this point. Absolutely. So we've been talking about presbyopia a lot in this series. It's been amazing. The things we've learned, the things we've been uh, really discussing that really we haven't spent much time talking about before. But one thing, Mile, we haven't really talked about much is how we as doctors think about presbyopia differently depending on whether or not our patients are emetropes, hyperopes, myopes, and even whether or not they have astigmatism. So let's get started by really talking about that. How is presbyopia different for people with different refractive error? Well, it's, it's interesting, April. If you were to ask me, like, how do you categorize that with respect to refractive error? I would have put those in those same four buckets. You know, the emetrope is really that individual who oftentimes has no clue what's happening to their eyes. They've never required any type of refractive correction. And they're, they're almost at times caught off guard. Some of them may know a friend or two that requires reading glasses, but they this is kind of their first reminder of what's happening with something that unfortunately will affect everybody. So they're oftentimes the most difficult to really work with because they have this inherent yeah. difficulty grasping it. And they're, they're difficult to fit with contacts, glasses, any of the options, because they're not used to ever placing anything on the eyes. They're not used to ever wearing anything on the face with respect to glasses. Myopes and hyperopes, they, they differ tremendously as well too. Um, I actually would even categorize hyperopes as these higher hyperopes or these mild to moderate hyperopes that manifest as latent hyperopia, sometimes in their late 30s, early 40s. Um, And their first symptom is up close, but we know that they can actually manifest some distance prescription. These are the individuals that I, I love putting in multifocal lenses because anything we're placing on their eyes is a massive improvement to what they've already been in, which is usually for those low to moderate hyperopes, nothing. I know what you're probably thinking, well, Mille, you're you're not 40 yet. I am. I graduated in 2002. I'm going to be 46 in December. It hasn't hit me yet, and I don't know if it technically hasn't hit me or I'm just, um, you know, really playing the denial card at this point. But, but the myope is an interesting one. The myope is that individual that really has that difficult time conceptualizing the inability to focus up close through their distance correct distance correction but they can still take their glasses off and oftentimes see up close so this is kind of a really challenging group of individuals they have that real difficult time conceptualizing this those 
early 40-year-olds that are interested in refractive correction, for example, or some type of surgery, we really have to do a lot of hand-holding with these individuals so that they know what the ramifications just inherently are going to be over the next one, five, 10 years with their up-close vision. And, and the astigmatism patient is also kind of an interesting one. Astigmatism individuals, they don't think they're eligible for contacts. Um, they don't think they're eligible for refractive surgery. Um, again, these are these kind of traditional thoughts that someone planted in these uh, TORC patients' minds when in actuality they can be fit with it. And, and all of those are potential options for them. And in addition to that, we now have multifocal TORC contact lens options that are readily available for these individuals. So again, there are these very distinct buckets with these highly unique characteristics in each one of these buckets. And you know, when we start thinking about presbyopia treatment options, I think this is important to, to really categorize it this way and think about them, like you said, in different buckets, because there's a different conversation to be had. And I, if, if you could see us smiling, you'd see that we are, you can't help but smile when you think about those myopes that you're trying to explain presbyopia to, and they just don't get it. So I'm gonna just let Miway talk about that. How do you explain presbyopia to each group of patients? Yeah, well, so I'll start with the myope because that's the one that you let off with, April. And again, depending on what the treatment option is, that discussion varies so much. Let's talk about the myope, for example, that's going into a progressive addition lens. Has no interest in refractive surgery, no interest in contact lenses, just wants glasses that they can see far away and up close through. My discussion is very simple. If that's the path we're going towards, I say, you, you require distance correction. You know that at this point you need to lift your glasses to see up close. I can provide you near vision through the bottom of your glasses that will help you see up close. I will tell you, it's gonna be challenging for me with glasses to provide you with the type of vision that you have without your glasses on. I'll give you the ability to see things up close, but remember that it'll be a little bit of work. So what you may still wanna do is take your glasses off for long periods of up close work or up close vision. But when you need to glance down, when you need to see things up close, you'll have the ability to do that. For that low to moderate myope, that is my discussion. The hyperope is very, very different, in particular if it's a late hyperopia. And these individuals, April, I'll tell you, they oftentimes go really smoothly and easily into multifocal lenses. The only caveat with them is it's difficult for them to handle those, those lenses when they're, um, when they're looking up close without any type of glasses. So they'll always need something in addition to that. I'll share with you that the, the, the astigmatism patient, whenever we provide them with options, for them, it always seems like it's the first time they're hearing about them. I remember sharing with an, a TORC patient the first time we had really kind of easy access to astigmatism presbyopic lenses. I shared with them that they are a candidate for lenses and the look on their face was, was, was shocking because they're just not used to hearing that. They're always used to being denied options. Yeah. I'll, t I'll tell you April too, the one that um, excites me the most is this new class or category of treatments for these individuals, which is pharmaceutical therapies, um, which I think is gonna change the game and open up the discussion and even evolve it more so than where it is right now. Yep, how about those emotropes? The emotrope is a difficult category and that's actually the, the one where I get most excited about the pharmaceutical therapies because again, they're the ones that have the most difficult time placing anything on the eyes because they've 
never required it. So a child that's worn contact lenses very easily adapts to contact lenses and presbyopia. Somebody who's glasses their whole life very easily adjusts and adapts to glasses. But again, when you think about even the tissues around the eye or around the nose, never having to wear anything and now having to place reading glasses on. And oftentimes these individuals will go for kind of the lowest cost denominator, which really aren't the ones that are the most comfortable on their face either. So right. it's, it's a difficult discussion, but it's really um, an important one to know, one, what they need to expect today and how that's going to change. And that's the most important thing that I share with emotropes. I say, this is a natural, normal process. It's not something that you need to be concerned about. What I will share with you is you're right at the beginning phases of this process. And this over the next, depending on what, what age they present to me, over the next 5 to 10, 15, 20 years, this will progressively change over time. Unfortunately, there's nothing that we know at this point to slow that process down, but we'll make sure that we're providing you with the most contemporary solutions for this problem as possible as you evolve through this process. I love that. So you kind of started talking about it already, but let's talk now about how refractive air influences your choice of treatments for presbyopia. And I guess not necessarily going into that uh, at full length, but what is your first thought when you see a patient, and you sort of mentioned it, that's a hyperope like me, that is also a presbyope, as opposed to a myope or an emetrope? Yeah, so I think there's one other question we need to answer in addition to um, the refractive error, April, and that's what their current um, treatment modality is. So for example, if you have a myope that's wearing right. glasses, that individual is even in a little bit of a separate bucket than that myope who enjoys contact lenses yeah, or the cool. myope who's corrected with refractive surgery. So, so the myope will put into the bucket and that individual who's wearing contact lenses, they really want to maintain independence from spectacle wear. And there's a few options for them. And again, we, we really talk about what all of the options are. And, and I really boil it down to three for the myope. One is continuing with your contact lenses and placing reading glasses over those lenses when you feel like you need them. The second option is multifocals or monovision. And we go over a discussion on that. And the third is there will be soon available a pharmaceutical treatment for you that's gonna give you the ability to hopefully see better up close through your current distance vision contact lenses. And then we have, I always ask patients, I say, now those are the three options. Do you have any questions about those? And then I asked them, which one do you think would fit your lifestyle best? Or which one's the one that you're most interested in at this point? And then we have further discussions on that. The hyperope and the emetrope are totally different. Uh, again, the emetrope really is coming to us oftentimes, either the first time naive, they don't know what's going on, or um, they're already doing something. And depending on what they're doing, we'll, we'll evolve that, make sure they know the options like that myope does. I'll share with you that with our current options, contact lenses work great for emetropes. In particular, um, the strategy I love is a multifocal in one eye in those emetropes. But this pharmaceutical treatment is going to add a new dimension or a layer of depth that we can really communicate with these patients with. And then the hyperope, it really depends on where they're starting to April. Like, you know, for the for the hyperope, the one that's wearing glasses, it's a it's a different discussion than um, for the hyperope that doesn't want anything to do with glasses. And it's it's surgical, potentially. It's contact lenses in nature and, and soon to be 
pharmaceutical in nature as well. I love it. So then you, again, we kind of touched on it, but a patient's refractive error has to influence their understanding of presbyopia as well, wouldn't you think? And, and if so, then how does that influence it? So hyperopes and emetropes, the, their chief complaint and their key complaint and their biggest concern is, I can't see up close. Their distance vision is fine. And even in the late hyperopia, April, I mean, you know, we talked yeah. about this in the past. It's sometimes surprising what these people come in with vision-wise in the distance, and they really have no complaints. So their chief complaint is, make me better up close. That's the number one thing they want. Improving their distance vision is just the icing on the cake for that late hyperope. Um, for the myope, it's really an, a, an important understanding to take things slowly step-by-step step with them because the non-optometrist myope, the, the lay person in the chair, really has a difficult time with understanding why can they take their glasses off and see up close, but not see up close anymore through their glasses. So every option that we provide them the, the challenge with them is that it, I, I always lay the kind of the honesty cards on the table. I share with them, whatever I do to help you with your up-close vision, I'm going to have a difficult time replicating what your vision's like when your glasses are, or contact lenses are off. That's going to be the best. What my goal is, is to get you closer to that when you have your glasses or contact lenses on. And here's how we have the ability to do that. But there is a massive difference in the way that we communicate to those patients because their starting points are so, so different. Absolutely. So here's a question for you, Dr. Brugic. When considering each of those refractive groups, where would you say the biggest unmet need is today? And those that are listening, they might have an idea of what you would say your answer is, but why don't you tell us, what do you think that biggest unmet need is today? Yeah, for, for me, it's easy. It's the emetrope. And when I say emetrope, uh, April, I want to quantify that. And the reason why I say emetrope is that's that's a true, what I would call emetrope, or that's even a contact lens corrected emetrope. That's a post-LASIK emetrope. These individuals that are walking around now without any refractive correction, um, whether that be they've always been an emetrope their whole life, whether that is um, they're wearing contact lenses to correct their distance vision and now are experiencing presbyopia, or they've had some type of refractive um, surgery that's kind of made them an emetrope. That is a huge unmet need, and I think massive opportunity for us and eye care. I love it. So, Mile, anything that I left out in this conversation about refractive error and how knowing the difference can improve your presbyopes treatment uh, going forward. Anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up? Well, I think this is such a, a good discussion, April, for a few reasons. One, I think it highlights some of the similarities yet um, distinct differences that exist between the different uh, categories of refractive errors. But more importantly, I think it's so important for, for us as uh, kind of primary eye care providers on the ground floor to make sure that we're discussing the options with patients. Because if we're not, they're getting that information from other places and they want to get that information from trusted sources. So again, I lay out those options for them, make sure um, I understand what their questions are about those options. And then we discuss and figure out what might be that best option for that patient. So those are really kind of the big takeaways from this discussion. And April, just as always, a pleasure communicating with you on this topic and just really and thank, thank you for having me on the program. 
Thank you so much, Mila. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you so much to our guests and, and our audience for listening. We appreciate you being a part of this, and we hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of the In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series.